Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk about subjects which they're definitely not experts on, but they talk as though they're experts <laughs> on every subject, except politics, you're definitely an expert on that, but everything else, no. Yeah, and most of these podcasts are about Ooh. not that. Yes. This one is, but otherwise, and also on top of that, it's, it is seeping into it. Look, this is our merch. Our merch is a political joke. Well, I never actually intended it to be a political joke, but uh, a sociological joke. It was it was a cultural joke. Yeah. So now it's a political statement. Wearing the if you're <laughs> if you're listening to the audio, we're wearing our official Common Sense Brigade flannelette shirt. And hang on, controversial. If you can turn around, show the back. It's uh, a brilliant design. What do you think of that, guys? You can't really. Yeah. See. There you go. Look, Look at, at that. that. We'll put a we'll put a little picture up or something, and. Um, uh, the person who said we actually had a fan send in this design, and he is Chris Woe on Instagram. Actually, give me a break. I don't have my phone with me right now, but I'll go and find it so I can find his username. That's really nice of you. I'll just pad until that comes out. And you can keep really, talking. Is there any need to pad? Because there's so much to uncover in this shirt. First off, it feels like you're wearing pajamas. It looks like you're wearing pajamas, but brother, it ain't pajamas. So. Now that I think about it, uh, that was pretty unnecessary information, except for the fact that, I guess, look, if you wear this, it'll be like going to casual Fridays at work every day, which only could be wearing this on casual Fridays anyway. So I guess it's just a reminder of what day of the week it is. It's actually incredibly comfortable and it's not as thick as a usual flannel. So, yeah, I I mean, I don't think you can confirm. I don't know if we really need to sell the quality of the material here because I think it's more the the in-joke where people were going to buy the merch for. But that's true. This is not an infomercial channel. We're not even I'm. We're not even trying to sell anything. It's it's genuinely comfortable. But it we're sells better. itself. Shout out to uh, Chris Woe on uh, on Instagram. It's Chris Woe, but the O in Woe is spelt with, is 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 a zero. So give him a follow. He's a great guy. He does a lot of designs. I like a lot of his designs. They do remind me of uh, very threatening bumper stickers that you can buy in rural petrol stations. And I'm a fan of that. I like those bumper stickers as well. Yeah. You know, what, what are the ones <laughs> very where... very endearing. The ones where they've got, uh, they've got two models there sitting back to back. And then what is the line that's always accompanied with that? Well, I think at the bottom that says Capper or something. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the silhouette of them. What's, what's his name? Didn't David Lionhelm try to... Someone wanted to ban them and he was like, no. Not on my watch. Australians have the right. <laughs> <laughs> to have offensive bumper stickers, and I I agree with him actually. Uh, so it's common sense. Yeah, exactly. You'd know this if you were part of the brigade. So what you've done with the group though is now I think wearing this uh, this shirt is actually a very uh, it's a specific political statement. And I should for Adriff make it mandatory as well. Let's just turn it into our own little brown shirts, our flapjack flannos. Now, uh, yeah, <laughs> I really flapjack. I, you do look like a, a lumberjack. It's not dirty enough to be in the mines. It's not like quite. when you were we doing a lumberjack in one of those fifties movies where they're doing a song and dance, um, and there's like a, a, a six-year-old out the front. It's just incredible at tap dancing. That do, do you like that idea? Well, then we've got the shirt for you. I mean, you've got eyes. It it, it gives off the vibe that we like to show that we work hard but we don't actually work hard <laughs> which is which is true <laughs> so 
Uh, <laughs> I really like our generation romanticizes the fact every single one of them is this thing of like you don't know what it's like. All these all these upper class types. Where are you from? Middle class. That's that's a real. That, that, that seems to be a real thread between our generation. Having to do your taxes every year, it's a struggle. I know. <laughs> Getting a long My weekend every couple of months. <laughs> That's not enough. That's not enough for the amount of benders I want to go on. How am I supposed to peruse Ikea in just one Saturday? These it's are good the point. questions that we need to be... It's a big store. Yeah. You can't do it in one Saturday. And and on Saturday and Sunday, it's too crowded anyway. So you, yeah. you, you should actually take a day off work to go to Ikea. And then just the efficiency of that, even if you lose whatever money you lose, even if it's not actual leave and you're foregoing that income, I think you'll make up for it by saving uh, a lot of time just by being able to park and uh, True. not having to deal with traffic jams of people, of yeah. of young couples who are very clearly recently married or recently engaged and the woman is loving it and the man's like, oh, yeah, I guess I have to do this. Yeah, <laughs> it's the end of that. That's, Short straw, buddy. That's where your manhood slowly declines. As soon as you start going Shopping to Ikea, you're just, you're just a pet. Yep. This is becoming an MRA podcast now. Guys, don't don't go to Ikea, okay? That's <laughs> how she takes the alpha away from you. Sign a prenup. And let her do the shopping. Look, I, I, I really just... That. Yeah, look, the, the image is complete now. <laughs> this is all we needed. It was very inevitable that this was going to happen. And these you shirts, knew what you signed up for. I will say it. These shirts are separate to the Facebook page. I think these shirts should be for anyone of any party. Politically distancing yourself from it. It is savvy. But yes, I am. that is the whole point of the Facebook page, that it is for anybody. Unlike because Jordan, you could look at it as a joke or you could look at it seriously. Either way, you have to agree. I'm a man of money and not integrity. So <laughs> I'm making the smart moves here. I'm making the financially smart moves. Yeah. Anyway, guys, I've got to say, this is my favorite piece of merch that I have ever hawked. And let's be clear, I am wearing a shirt of... Oh, no, I took it off. But I was just wearing a shirt that had my face on it. And I like this guy's face even more than mine. That's saying something. Yeah. If a male model says he <laughs> likes someone else's face more than his own, as a good face. Yeah. Even though it's clearly a very scary face. Very uh, smooth potato shape. What, your face? Or the guy on the... The design. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not putting myself on mm, that boat. No, I think those fat trucker dudes, they look scary, but they're not actually scary. What do you mean? Well, I think they've got... Well, they look, they look really scary, but when you, when you, when you go underneath hatch. the surface, I think that's all um, a front to hide their deep insecurity. What's their deep insecurity? They don't have any social skills because they're just they're, driving for 12 they're hours They're fat a day. and they're bold. Fair, fair. There'd be a lot of insecurities about that. If you are fat and bald, if you come to terms with that, are you going to do anything about it or is that just it? I mean, what can you do? Just draw texture over the top of it. In the late 80s and the the 90s, they would have been the kings. Fat, bald guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have just slayed. They would have just watched the Rocky movies and tried to live that life. Or the Rambo movies, no, because Rockies are all about like a, a wog who beats these like six foot ten black guys in boxing which is just accurate portrayal it's, it's very it's yeah yes <laughs> that's how it goes down you got to suspend a lot of disbelief there um <laughs> <laughs> anyway I don't wasn't that like I was a big part about. of it though wasn't he were they always mentioning that in the movie or am i just uh 
I feel like I, I even referenced this in the last podcast. You definitely did, but I think that when I was thinking back at it, I thought there was this whole thing of like, you can't beat him. He's just got too much reach on you. I think he had the yes. same tactic that Homer Simpson had of just taking the beatings. Yeah, yeah, which... Um, Smart move. He's definitely uh, minimized the potential length of his uh, professional boxing career there because he's taken a lot of punishment there that you would otherwise normally take in multiple professional bouts. So it's pretty... Un- it, what's really unrealistic is the fact they made seven movies. They could have made the one movie, but he's probably copped enough brain damage there to end the career. Yeah, well, that's true, but I am really glad that they made it because each one was cheaper than the last and more fantastical. And how do you get even more fantastical than the Russians breeding a superhuman that only knows how to box and he still beats him? <laughs> and he's like 40. He's God, nowhere so near prime age. And then he goes on to beat another black guy when he's like 65. Because I think back then, they, <laughs> tell me if I'm... Um, uh, wait, in World War II, they, did, the, did the Italians fight the, the Soviets? I don't know if they ever directly fought. I don't know enough about World War II, but yes, they were against the Soviets. Yeah, so maybe then all the old Italians back in the 80s were thinking, yes, this is our revenge. <laughs> we beat those Soviet monsters. I don't know what that accent was. It was really bad. It's late. Yeah, it is late. Common sense. But yeah, go to LonelyKidsClub.com if, you, if you're interested in buying these shirts. If you're so inclined. Once again... I know this is supposed to be the main selling point, but they're very comfy. If you're in the market for common sense clothes, look no further. It's it's common sense in two ways. Wow, it really is. It's common sense on many levels. <laughs> no, especially deeper shirt out. You don't want to buy a flannel through summer because it's you know it's not exactly the sort of weather for a flannel. But this is pretty breathable. Yeah. So whatever Man materials they use, to grow. you too can end up like this fat bald guy and still wear this shirt. And uh, and I think that's enough of the infomercial. We we spent ten minutes. It, it felt an- longer, but we <laughs> 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 just tried desperately to come up. Uh, as you can notice, it's got patterns on it. Uh, I suppose that is just an element of flannels. You're all very aware of the quality of this fabric. Yeah, I know. But um, I'm oh. There we go. Unbeknownst to and me, back. Jordan, you you had a the government broadcaster has uh, just a few hours ago attacked you relentlessly, <laughs> viciously, I should say. Yeah, yeah, that's the right way. Mauled. Yeah, may become relenting. Can't handle it. I haven't seen this. I don't watch TV. Well, this is the amazing thing about it, as I was mentioning before, how. I was on the front page and people noticed me but didn't notice me on the front page. Um, it is exactly <laughs> the same thing as what happened in the news. Isn't I'm that- pretty sure that the only people that are watching ABC News at this point are geriatrics that don't know that there are other channels. They probably still think it's the 50s where there was just the ABC and people that are in gyms because it- that's how I know about it. Mislov was just working out and then he said, hey, I just saw you with a massive Chinese flag waving in the background. Isn't Is that, that superimposed? Isn't that really cool, though, that people just are so focused on your image, they don't actually read the text accompanying it? So you could be on the front page, Jordan Shanks found to be a serial pedophile. Hey, yeah. Jordan's in the paper. <laughs> Did you see friendly Jordan's Any news in is the good paper? News. <laughs> Any publicity is good publicity. You could really yeah. test that. Yeah, yeah. You, you see how far you could go. But yeah. what? So they're, they're saying you're a, chi- you're, a, you're, a, you're a shill for the Communist Party. Yeah. 
Okay. That's only the half truth. Look, I, I think it's no secret, <laughs> have very sympathetic views to China. But the way that they are portraying that, it, it I, I cannot believe this. I, I really thought the mainstream media would be better than this, but it's not accurate. I think, tell me if I'm wrong here, but the... Um the way you talk about China, even to a certain extent, the way I look at China is not so much uh, that we're praising China and their culture, but it's a condemnation of the West and just the 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 understanding that China is doing things better than the West is right yeah, now. Yeah, that's pretty much so it. It's, it's not just even like... saying China's so great. It's just we suck. <laughs> Can't we just accept that? Are we that insecure? I know America is. They never shut up about being number one, despite the fact that they're only number one in negative things. But I think that when it comes yeah. to Australia, yeah, we, we've just really got that little brother syndrome and it's just this constant push from our government as a result of the fact that we are just a proxy state of the US, that they are wanting us to keep pushing this anti-Chinese narrative, despite the fact that it's clearly against our interests because... We're a lot closer to China than we are the US, and they are a primary trading partner. And as Scott Morrison has proven, he will put that trading partnership at jeopardy just to get a headline that he can get in the Telegraph of, yeah, he, stand up, he stood up to them. He, he cost us, you know, a couple of billion dollars in the process, but, you know, some, some things are more important than money. So what did they specifically say? Did they just show you with a, with a Chinese flag and gave some vague accusations or did they say that you said something specific in a video or well this is the interesting what was part. the content uh christo comes up to me and he says hey uh i can't even remember what they're called now china world news or something like that one of the government broadcasters in china wanted to do an interview with me because they saw that i was pretty much the only person in australia saying am, am i blind here why why are we going into America's really, like, let's move into World War Three. Uh, like, w w why are we doing that? That's pretty much all I'm saying. Uh, but they saw me say that, and then they said, hey, yeah, we just wanted to ask you about why there's such an anti-Chinese sentiment in Australia. And obviously, they're going to say that because they're the Chinese broadcaster. Yeah, I get that. But this is what I want people to understand I was able to go on Chinese news and talk about the propaganda model and they gave me a very, very fair chunk of their show that they also had all these other experts in and they were sitting there and I was able to breed out Chomsky points on Chinese news. Um, How big is this channel in China? I have no idea. It's the English-speaking one, so it's obviously not going to be yeah, anywhere okay. near as big as the main one. But the oh, point when is... When did this happen? This only happened... I think maybe I did the interview three weeks ago or something like that. But the point is that the reason that Congrats. we wanted to go... <laughs> thank you. Uh, I guess that's in order. I was only... Did they pay you? No. Okay. No, no, Christ, no. They just... they All they did was just ask me about this think tank that's, that's in Australia at the moment called ASPE, which is the biggest foreign policy think tank, which I'll get back to in a second, but I just just need to give this context to it. I went on there to make the point that they will talk about topics that the Australian press won't touch. So at the end of the day, when everybody's sitting there saying, oh, freedom of speech, yeah, they, they, they clamp down on freedom of speech. It's not that simple. 
it's pretty much just the same as it is in China. If it is against Australia's interest, you don't get a voice. I haven't been on the ABC News before. I have, but then when it was to take it out of context and to use me as a hit piece to bludgeon Labor with, but the whole thing is that the press is just a tool for the interests of the elite in each country. So obviously when you're in China, but the, the difference is, and this is amazing, in this third world dictatorship, it seems to be okay to point out that the news is nothing but propaganda. They were cool with that idea. You know what else I learned by being on there? They seem to have a much fairer view of what the world is happening right now. We are the ones with the naive North Korean worldview because this is what we are constantly getting hammered in the West, which is that America is the shining light on the tunnel that is just this uh, on the hill that is this world cop yeah, keeping yeah. a balance in order. Australia's out there batting for America because they're the global cop and they're on the side of good. And China's obviously the evil one lurking in the corner, plotting its revenge or whatever. That that's the narrative. I, I really don't want to use this because I hate this meme, but it just sums it up so well. It's just really just America amazing, China evil. That's that's what is the Basically, more or yeah. less what the press does in this country, right? You know what China's worldview is? Obviously, they're just going to be constantly pumped with China's awesome, China's awesome, China's awesome. But when you talk to the journalists and what they allow to broadcast, the message more or less is these are two superpowers fighting each other. That's a much more accurate portrayal of what is happening in the world. And that's a lot more neutral if you think about it. Really, what they're admitting there is they're both flawed. Both of them are vying for power. Yeah, is China uh, um, increasing their status by saying they're a superpower on par with America? No. Or have I just uh, fallen victim, you know, fallen prey to the propaganda that assumes America is still the big superpower? And you always hear China's on the rise, China's on the rise. Or are they basically just equal now? What I could get from the documentary and what I could get from talking to the journalists, which a massive reason of why I went on, is because I was just interested to know what Chinese journalists are like and yeah. what they think. And honestly, I'm telling you, they were way less stupid than the ones in Australia. Okay. They were much more switched on. They were asking much more pertinent questions. Um, and I understand mm. that, like, th this is the paradigm, right? It's just that, like, whatever power is behind the media, that is what they're going to be reflecting. Obviously, everybody knows that. I hated how people in the comments were saying, you say this about Murdoch all the time and then you go on Chinese news. Dickhead, I will go on any media outlet that invites me on. In fact, when the Telegraph tried to do a hit piece on me, I was just sitting there saying, Answer, uh, ask me questions. He wouldn't even ask the questions to me. I'm just making the point that, yeah. like... The Australian press is not that much different to a third world dictatorship. It's really not. If they don't want a viewpoint out into the into the public, they won't put it out. But if they want to hit you or make a, a smear out of you, that is what's going to be on the 6 o'clock news, which is exactly what happened to me. And that was basically the point that I was putting out was that I'm going to go on here because I know that they'll freak out that I was on a Chinese state media thing and I know that that'll get on the news. Do, so I went on it. Do the, does the average Chinese person accept the fact that their media is uh, just a tool for the powers that be? Well, this is the, the genius populace? thing about the Western propaganda model as opposed to third world dictatorships. Because when you really sit there and look at it, there's all these douchey terms that come into media analysis. But once you've taken the red pill... You know how you were saying before, Neil, that before we started talking about this extensively, you had this different view of the news that maybe they might be uh, 
slanted in one way or the other, but it's kind of ideological. And then you realize it's actually not ideological. It's just about power. It's just about who's controlling the purse strings. Yeah, I've definitely looked at the at traditional media, particularly uh, news and programs that deal with political and cultural issues in a different vein. Yeah. I don't really perceive them as the ultimate authority on anything, and I just wonder who's really pulling the strings. Yeah. Um, and that's a healthy way to look at media. Unless, of course, you're independent. If you're independent, I think that you are just ideologically driven. And what I mean by independent is crowdfunded. When you're mm. crowdfunded, you actually are just speaking your mind, and if people agree with that, they're paying you for that. So it actually is a much cleaner source, right? But if you just have, like, a government saying, we're funding you, do you think that they're ever going to say anything bad about the government? Well, as the ABC clearly shows, they don't. And they just show down the line the exact messaging of what the government wants out there. And they want a really anti-China message out. So that's what you see in the ABC. I think when people say the ABC has a left-wing bias, a left-leaning bias, they talk generally about cultural issues. They talk generally about cultural issues, and that's true. But this is the difference, right? There is, and I was just talking about this today because of with what's happening in the media with Gladys Berejiklian. 14 breaches of the uh, code of conduct by ministers that was un unraveled in ICAC recently. Yeah. So, unbelievable. I mean, she said to her boyfriend, corrupt as fuck, um, who was saying like, yeah, I've got this deal happening at the moment. We've got her on recording saying, I don't want to know about that. That is insane that a premier of a state is sitting there and allowing corruption to continue. She, she, she heard corruption... Yeah. And then she backed away from it instantly. And they, and they framed it in the way... She's oh, a I'm woman. A woman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've all dated a bad man. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Well, this is the thing, right? This is what I was noticing that was interesting about it. Nine Fairfax was pushing that. Yeah. And Who were the, the ones Murdoch that have press. traditionally been... Oh, sorry. No, Murdoch is, are the ones that have been anti-identity politics. Yes. Uh, Nine Fairfax has always been pro that because that's really the difference in the media landscape in Australia, right? So there's just Nine Fairfax and then there's the Murdoch Press. Now, the Murdoch Press, obviously, as we've just shown recently with uh, as soon as you like, you know, when their stable mates or Alan Jones says something outrageous or racist or sexist or whatever, which, again, I don't really give a shit about that, man. Like, I really don't care what anyone ever says ever. And I don't think that the average person cares. It's just something that they use to bludgeon them over the head. But especially when it comes to like this podcast, for instance, they're always clipping me out of this fucking podcast or my other podcast when you're just speaking extemporaneously. Yes. And they get two sentences and they're just like, oh, my God. And then you get cancelled for that. When, but anyone like, who yeah. listens to a podcast understands that context is paramount and taking a two-minute clip out of a podcast. Not a two-minute clip, like a 20-second clip max. Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't really judge someone on what they've said. It's the same as uh, taking a, one singular joke out of a stand-up show. Not only that, writing the joke down, you take away so many elements oh, of yeah. comedy. Yeah. And it's very disingenuous. And, yeah, I've even seen a few of the clips uh, that there's one in particular. What is it? The one about... I forget, but there's one. there was one on Twitter. But I really think... You're bulletproof. And I think most people who occupy our space can be bulletproof if they don't give in to these attempts of cancellation. No, and especially if you explain yourself. And by explain yourself, this is what I really mean. It's just like pulling behind the curtain. I think this is always the way that if you're ever in this situation where you're part of that Homer Badman episode, right? 
uh, of the Simpsons. Like if, if that ever happens to you, just point out why they're doing that because there's always some yeah. motivation behind it. They don't actually care about this stuff. It's just like what we did with the AUWU, right? Like the people that are constantly sitting there just being, saying, I can't believe you said that. That's racist. That's problematic and all that stuff. You go back and you look at their tweets and it's just filled with the N-word. It's, the N-word, really? Yeah. Damn. Extremely hypocritical people. It's just yeah. all about getting a one-up. There's no morality or principles guiding it, which is actually the thing that really shits me about, you know, woke culture and political correctness and stuff like at the, the, what actually really annoys me about it is these people don't care about it the people that are no, being I the know. most vocal about it so no it's just a weapon right do you think because I, i've always uh, i've always thought that this untimely uh, association between left-wing parties and woke culture is seriously hindering them and I think we've discussed this on other podcasts previously, but is that just a talking point of the elites and the propaganda machine, or is there some truth to it? Because surely there would be more, I guess, woke policies in those uh, parties that lean left as opposed to the right-wing parties. There is more woke policies in it, but if you talk to the people that are in those parties, which I do now, you'll notice that there's cucks on both parties and there's also just like based as fuck guys in in both of the parties as well you know if if you're if you're in a system where there's two pol- there's two parties it's mm. pretty much just most of the population is represented by those two parties so they might get more of a leg up in the labor party for instance but man and this is the other thing as well i talk to women in the labor party all the time and they're always rolling their eyes at the project going, oh my God, Gladys Berejiklian and Slay Queen. And they hate that stuff. And it's not even this thing of like, it's patronizing to women. They're just like, this is really fucking lame and cringy. But are there more who subscribe to that view in the Labour Party than the Liberal Party? And is that why there's a slight policy difference there? Or are there new policy initiatives coming out from the Liberal Party? Because I've seen some that I don't have the breadth of knowledge you do, but the, they there are now certain initiatives like keeping women in work, all this sort of thing, which, again, on the surface sounds great, but it also, if you're aware of, again, I think that the term woke is extremely reductive, but if you're aware of the, 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 the academic foundations of some of that culture, it makes you raise your eyebrows. Yeah. I think in general, when I look at the actual policies that uh, you know, woke from the Labor Party, there's some that really shit me, like quotas, for instance. I hate the fact that the Labor Party has quotas. I think that that's just such a bad way to divvy things up. And as I've Couldn't said in numerous more. times, like, dude, I like Anastasia Palaszczuk. I like Jodie McKay. The fact that Jodie McKay recently, I just have to brag about this. Jodie McKay, like Gladys Berejiklian, when she was faced with corruption, what was her response? I don't want to know about that as the premier of New South Wales. She she allowed corruption to go ahead. Like unbelievably unethical, right? Jodie McKay was offered bribes. And what did she do to that? And she was going to lose her seat because Labor was extremely unpopular in that election. Um, it was unpopular within the party because there was extremely corrupt elements in the Labor Party by 2011 because it was an old government that had been around there for a long time. Um, and they were saying to her, you have to 
take these donations and sign off on this coal port that he wants. And Jody McKay was saying, no, that's a shit idea, that coal port. It's like nowhere near as economically viable as this container shipment or whatever that she wanted. And so she said, no, I'm not taking the donations. She not only lost her seat because then the Labor Party started campaigning against her, but the Liberals took those donations, which were when, illegal. When was it? Did she lose her seat? In 2011, and then she got it back oh. in the next election. But she yeah. lost her seat. She What lost seat does she represent? Newcastle. Okay. And uh, which is Labor stronghold. So that was a really poisonous election. Like it was a wipeout. Um, uh, yeah, the, like uh, she, the, the Liberals actually did take those donations, which were illegal donations. And what did she do? She went to ICAC with that information. She lost all of these friends that she had for years in the Labor Party. Why she did, was like a huge career blow for her. Why were the Labor Party against her then when she did that? Because back then, this was the Joe Tripodi days and the Eddie Obeid days. And so there was, look, let's just be honest. I've said this point before, and you're ready for the little clip to be taken out of context, but it has to be said. Can we stop electing wogs? I'm a wog. I just don't think I should be in parliament. Like every fucking time. Don't you think it's always Tripodi, Berejiklian? <laughs> you know, it's it's always one of you're those names. To, you're a wog. You're allowed to say that. I don't think I can say that. But that's what I'm saying. When people are always saying to me, just like, you know, you should run for parliament. Dude, I understand the psychology of Berejiklian being like, no, but it's my partner. You don't do that shit to your partner. It's their family, bro. Like... <laughs> I just think it's like, dude, it, it's ingrained in my psychology. When I was sitting there with Berejiklian, I'd be like, yeah, well, like, dude, that's disgusting, but that's why I'm not running for parliament, you know? <laughs> I think that, look, obviously it. I'm – shut the fuck – look, it doesn't matter. They're just going to take that out of context. Yeah, 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 I'm joking, but come on. It's, pre it's pretty obvious. But so we'll uh, – But that, that was the difference of what happened, right, between the two. Wait, I'm trying to think. Surely there's been a, a, a good premiere – that has been of European descent. Well, actually, you know what I will give credit to? There's a guy in Parliament now that's just unshakable uh, in the upper house, Mark Buttigieg. He's he's a real up and comer sound of the like Labour a wog Party. Last name. Oh, it's he's a wog. He's a wog. Buttigieg. Yeah. What's the, that now I can't remember pretty, where he's from. That sounds very British. No, 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 no. Uh, maybe maybe he's Is a mix. He related actually, related to Pete in America. <laughs> What were they again? Polish or something? Oh yeah, that's wog. Wog-ish. Well, wog, like, that it's so varied the um, the way people perceive that word in America because some people will still say it's a slur, it's offensive, it is comparable to the N word. Some people will say, no, we've reclaimed it. You can basically just use it as a way to describe people of uh, a certain ethnic group and and their descendants. But then when I hear wog, I think. Croatians, Serbians, Italians, Greeks. Yeah. But that's, I don't think, you know, Germans or French or... They're well, definitely and Ita Italians, works. sorry, Italians, absolutely. But then Lebanese and, and Middle Eastern cultures, they're not wogs. Yeah. Yet they get grouped in as wogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's just because they've got semi-similar accents. That's pretty much wogs it. Wogs don't like that Lebanese are also seen as wogs. No, no, no. I think it's just because we all grew up in Western Sydney. That's why. Yeah. And now there's a lot of Indians there. Yeah. So they probably shouldn't get into politics. But they don't have that accent. They Yes, they do. You know what? They in do. The ones that grew up here. Everyone who grew up in Western Sydney talks a bit like this. Oh, man. 
Well, I think there's variations to that. I think if you've got a bit of a twang like this, I think uh, those sorts of people, I don't want to say, they can be quite respectable. But the the more like gavrolakas, the more like <laughs> dumb it sounds, yeah, they should probably just stick to hair and beauty at tape. <laughs> Having said that, that would be a funny that would be a funny sketch. <sighs> Western Sydney politics. Why don't they have a Western Sydney Parliament? If they're giving all these different identities governments, they should. They should have Man, I really don't want to women, look into that. Parliament for indigenous, parliament for I don't know. I'm I don't even know what I'm talking about. Fuck. Can you anyway. imagine what the Western <laughs> Sydney Parliament would look like? It'd just be a bunch of apartments built by like a, you know global industries or whatever the fuck it's called. Like it, it'll it should be so dodgy. It would be weird if there was someone who wasn't corrupt. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's the whole point. Then it's just that argument of do you just allow uh, athletes to take steroids at this point? <laughs> that might yeah, be the thing. Such Given the Western Sydney Parliament, all right. Yeah, well, it's, it's a good like move. American politics, right? It, all of them are basically corrupt. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just that's politics. It happens. Yeah. You, well, you got to make money somehow. <laughs> Even though they get what you guys do salaries, right? Uh, yeah. No, that's true. They do get very good salaries, and they get a lot of perks afterwards. I think the big thing is superannuation after you leave. But the thing yeah. is that you don't want to be in a society. You don't want to be in a system where they're getting paid fuck all. Because then only billionaires run. You told me that and that really changed my opinion. I never thought of it that way because I always used to think, oh, these people, they just get way too much money, too many perks. No. Yeah. They just have to attach themselves to a part. Half of, if they're not that good, if they can just suck enough dick at the like young liberal or young labor conferences, they can just get put up in a safe seat and then they're set for life. And I always used to hate that. But you made a really good point. If they don't get a good salary, they're very susceptible to bribes i mean they already are but they're <laughs> extremely susceptible to bribes and corruption and we all love to judge we all love to stand on our high horse but if we're in that position if i'm in a position where a chinese developer is offering me forget thousands millions to just sign off on some development deal and no one will talk about it i hope i hope i have the integrity to say no to that but who not unless you're put in that position you don't know you'd never know and that's why I think that if yeah, there is a politician that has been faced with a corruption allegation, I don't care what side of politics they're on, and they turn it down, that's who you want in parliament. That That, that is actually a really rare person. Mm. And it doesn't take much a lot of the time as well. So a lot of the times you hear about these corruption allegations and you're just like, hang on, you signed off. It's just like John Barillard with the National Park. You signed off on destroying Australia's most iconic national park for 10 grand? That's so uh, cheap. That's pretty cheap, man. <laughs> I know. Damn. I could understand a couple of mil. Maybe <laughs> just like at least enough to buy a house in Jindabyne. Fuck. It's like just a secondhand yeah. Kia. It's pretty cheap. Um, but yeah, sorry. Anyway, so like just just to Are fill we up too... that point, it's Yeah, huh? okay, go on. Sorry, go on. We did go on a bit of a tangent there. Yeah. About the wogs in <laughs> That one's definitely gonna. I know for a fact that one's definitely gonna be clipped out one day. <laughs> oh man! Well, it's really nice actually knowing that you can just bait them because it is just the same five hundred people that work for these media institutions that just commented over time, going, "He's really outdone himself this time." Yeah, 
you have more followers than you have following, dude. Oh, wait, the other way around. You know what I'm saying. Look, the differences between the Murdoch Press and Nine Fairfax is that they are really hammering Berejiklian at the moment, uh, the Murdoch Press is. And that all just comes down to this. The real diversity in this country is that Nine Fairfax likes the wets in the Liberals and Murdoch Press likes the dries. And it's just pretty much what you're saying. It's just a cultural difference. It's just the wets come from all of those snooty inner city suburbs that just go, I really like gay marriage, but I also like, you know, know, overdeveloping Western Sydney to the point that everyone's just sardines. Oh, and also let's just charge them from getting into work at the CBD $200 a week. Why not? Um, they're, They're all cool with that. It's pretty much just the cultural differences between wets and dries. And dries are Christian, are they? Dries are really into fucking rabbit-like families. Six kids. I mean, Dom Perrottet, he's the head of it there, and he has six children, and he ain't stopping there. Um, that's really the difference between the two. So the motivation right now is uh, wow. it really just boils down to this. The, if, if Gladys Berejiklian can hold on to her seat, I pretty I think that maybe actually what Murdoch – it's amazing. If you go and look at Murdoch Press at the moment, they're actually doing their job. They're hammering their points on that. The fact that I know that there was 14 breaches in the um, Code of Conduct, that was from Sky News. If you allow journalists to do their job, they actually do do their job, but it's just there's someone at the top saying, go after this person, right? I think that's happening now, but I think that what will happen is that Gladys Berejiklian will just go to them after they've just been hammering her for a week and to keep her position, she'll go to them and say, what do you want? I think that that's why the Murdoch press is hitting her. They're hitting her because they want something from her. And they need to be perceived because their audience is particularly common sense brigade. (laughs) So they need to put put on the facade of... We are tough. We are unapologetic. Yeah. We if don't you're give corrupt, in you're corrupt. to the politicians. Mm. But woman, it'll change Woman or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go hard. Yep. Man, I like Sky News. I'm just, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not going to listen to it as though it's some sort of voice of authority, but it is so much more entertaining than any other news. Yeah. Any other mainstream news. It is so good. Pales in comparison to Fox. But as Kevin Rudder said recently, you give it five or six years, it'll be like Fox News. But it's actually good. It's fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand why everyone just doesn't go down that path as well. Everybody always saying that, can you imagine if it was like Sky News? That's my point. That is better. You know where they stand on Sky News. They're making it very, very clear. I mean, it changes from day to day, but... They're saying, like, this is what I think. I hate the fact that what, like, traditional journalism does is just select facts and say, here's the story. But, you know, it's both sides. It's very objective because we use very neutral language. We didn't use the word outrageous, you know? Yeah, okay. But it's exactly the same thing. There's no such thing as neutral journalism. There can't be. Just by the very existence of the fact that you are not just... It's not just this relay of everything that ever happened. It's just like a thousand words. And so they're selecting what's going to be there. So the actual bias most of the time in the press is not what they're saying. It's what they're not saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they attacked me in the Sydney Morning Herald recently, they summarized... If you look at the facts that they showed in that article, this is what my... Uh, career can be summed up as. I started in 2013. I'm stalking a journalist and I'm cool with sexual harassment. What's the Oh, stalking? and why is Labor hanging out with me? The stalking the journalist thing, because I saw that in a paper. What? Where did that even come from? 
I can't go into that too much yet because that's going to be a big reveal in our video that we've got coming out about it because it just keeps getting bigger and bigger because there's just so many points in it where I think, you know, fuck you, you're not getting away with that. Yeah. But that is amazing. And really it just shows because he's constantly saying, he's obsessed with me, he's obsessed with me. The fact that you have reported that to the cops shows that they're the only person that is obsessed with you is yourself. Are you are you at liberty to say who the journalist is? No, I'm not at liberty to say who the journalist is, but I will oh, say okay. this. It's just such a, a, a... This is how easy it is to say that, uh, you know, you have been reported to the police. I could just ring up the police right now and say to that and say about that journalist. He keeps commenting on me on Twitter. He's he's attacking me. He's going after me. You've got to do something before he kills me. And the police will just go, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds really serious. Okay, thanks," and hang up. And they're obviously not going to investigate that because that's not what that unit is for. He went to the fixated persons unit. The fixated persons unit is for like real freaks. Oh right, that's okay. for like there's know, a fixated persons that, unit. Yeah, is that the, the SVU of Australia? Except Australia is nowhere near as bad as America, so the American SVU is all about crazy sexual assault perpetrators. Whereas no, Australians no, 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 yeah, like, that's right. It's no. It's- oh, this guy's a little <laughs> bit obsessed with him. Is that our SVU? No, no, no. This is it's, it. Would be linked to it, but this is just about stalkers, and yeah, okay. so you have to do really serious stuff um, to get on it. This journalist just went straight to that pretty much because we made a mean tweet about him, but we will get to it later and pay the fuck out of him because it's hilarious. But pretty much that's what I'm saying. If you didn't know anything about me, that's what you would know from it. That I started in 2000 and, you know, I started seven years ago and being a broadcaster in that entire time, the only thing that you need to know about me is that I'm pretty much just Homer Simpson in the Homer Badman episode, just being like portrait of an ass grabber. That's pretty much my entire career. Um, that's what I'm saying. And, that, and so then the Murdoch press comes out and obviously they just use much more inflammatory language. But if you look at it, it's they're just using the same talking points that the Sydney Morning Herald put out. And that's how the press works. Usually what happens is they'll put out some something that is masked in neutrality because they're just using kind of mild language. Yeah. And then all these other networks and stuff will pick up on it and it becomes a coordinated attack. So what are the main talking points they're going at you for? So you're a shill for China. You don't care about sexual assault. You're a stalker. You're racist. Yeah, it's Are pretty the much the same ones? ones. It's the same song and dance over and over again. And I've noticed that the reason that they do this is because if you just ask the question, "Are you a racist?" it's not the same as asking. What's what's like another example of that? Like, are you? A, do you own a flannelette shirt? Right. If you say, do you own a flannelette shirt? It's just a yes or no question. When okay. you're asking something like the word racist or sexist or so, so a vague word like that, yeah. it's impossible to defend yourself, especially in a sentence, because it's just like a value judgment. It's just like, if you think I'm a racist, that's your opinion. If you don't think I'm a racist, that's your opinion. Yeah, There's no way to really defend it. They're just trying to conflate that and put that in the public's mind to just get them to disseminate that point. Again, deflecting from the fact that we just exposed 27 minutes of corruption of which they didn't report on any of that. But surely Not one bit. you've already experienced those sorts of... Well, those ad hominem attacks from some of your portrayals in the past, such as Yilmaz and putting a wig on. 
There's always people on... <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there's always people who are attacking comedians for those sorts of things. Mm. Is that... Is this new to you? No, it's not this new to me. It's all the time. Yes, but it's a different realm. So, when you're doing it as an entertainer, what they are doing there is just like a journalist has it in for you and they're attacking you because they don't like you. I think that that's the main reason that they were doing it with Isaac Butterfield. They would all have this very snooty opinion of him because he's all lowbrow and he hates vegans and I'm a vegan. And so they'd all be pissed off at him. And so they're just looking for an excuse to hit him, right? I think that that's where it ends. In my instance, it was very politically motivated. I mean, the City Morning Herald doesn't do a single article on me. We just put out all these other examples, like the Tonightly. It wasn't even on air. It wasn't good. And they were just going like, ooh, you know, anything goes on the Tonightly. Who runs it again? Yeah, it's 100% funded by the Liberal Party. Ooh, edgy. Um, The the Batuta Advocate, again, just like showing him just being like, Malcolm Turnbull did an interview with the boys at Batuta. (laughs) Oh, man, he got a ribbing there. Um, Yeah. all these examples of people that are in comparable fields and it was just like very, very positive articles. And, uh, you know, they had much smaller followings when they did the story on them. Right. So if you, give off, if you give off the perception that you're holding power to account, but you're not actually holding power to account, they laud you for that. Yeah. But if you actually hold power to account, which is what you do. They ignore you until you become too big to ignore. So we had to get to the point. Think about the fact what it took us to get into the Sydney Morning Herald. We had to get to 500,000 people on YouTube almost. Um, Arnie Donner, which, you know, it's not a perfect comparison, but they do say political shit. Um, They only had 100,000. Batuta, it was like three or four years ago at that point. So they weren't anywhere near as big as that now. They probably would have been smaller than we are at that point. Probably much smaller, actually. Um, Yeah. The Tonightly, no audience whatsoever. Uh, (laughs) It's if you're in the bubble. I know this is better than anyone. If you're in the bubble and you're friends with all the people who work at those organizations with a much smaller following... You get a lot more attention and traction because they perceive you as, oh, everyone, all my friends know these comedians. That means everyone knows them. No, everyone in Newtown knows them. No one in Western Sydney or in Adelaide or Brisbane or anywhere outside of inner city Melbourne, inner city Sydney gives a fuck about what they have to say. And not even doesn't give a fuck about what they have to say. If they hear what they have to say, detest them. Because yes. they're awful, narcissistic people that yeah. have gotten everything they want in life, including this all this free press from multi-million dollar megaphones. Oh, it's it's just, it's so frustrating because the sort of people, I mean, it's a very different example there, but the people, the comedians with uh, social followings that I've been compared to and I've been put on the same list as, it, I don't get offended by much. I am offended by that. Yeah. No, it's really bad. I see that happen to you all the time as well. It's, But that's the whole thing. That's what happens when it comes to comedy and entertainment. It's just like, are you in the club or are you out of the club? And it really just comes to the point of like, is most of your actors sitting there being like, I watch porn. Porn's getting weirder now. And also just being like, I'm so, I was on the bus the other day with a racist. And I'm going to make an ironically racist joke, but use the person who was the racist on the bus to get that out there so you can not feel guilty about laughing. Yeah, I know, I know. Go fucking die in a hole. I hate all those cunts. You pussy. And (laughs) there's no more... Yes, there's... there's, I don't... Again, I keep saying, oh, I like them as people or whatever, but that club is... It's just deplorable. 
Well, it's all artificial it. as well. Yeah, like, it's they a completely ap- astroturfed audience. They appeal to absolutely no one, and they also get the biggest. This is the podcast I want to talk about next time, actually. But they get the biggest grants as well from the government, which I understand why the average taxpayer is like, "Why the fuck is this shitty comedian <laughs> taking getting my taxpayer funded, like my money, to do this garbage?" Yeah. And that's poorly edited and produced anyway. Yes, I can see why people are like defund the ABC. Yeah, and I agree as well. And you know what else as well? Michael West, most uh, the, the best journalist in Australia by a mile. He, he's the guy that should win the Walkley every single year. He was saying exactly the same thing. I wasn't expecting him to say it, but he was just like, dude, they're the biggest fucking babies on earth. Every other news outlet on in yeah. Australia has lost like 30, 40% of their rev over the last 10 years. And ABC sits there being like, oh my God, a 10% cut. How will we cope with our billion dollars a year for free to make shit? My kid's going to have less grants to make videos. Yeah. No, I, it's... <laughs> And it's not even just the uh, the ABC, but everyone who's in that fucking club, like the nepotism of that stupid little fucking club that, that they think... Stan gang. Yeah, they think they're so... They haven't... They're the ones who are saying everyone else has privilege. They're the ones who've had more privilege than anyone because they haven't had to do what we do, which is cultivate and build an audience from nothing, okay? No, no, nothing was gifted to us. We didn't get any, no director said, yeah, I like you. Or we're going to put you in this TV show to make you a star. No. And look, I'm not trying to say we're amazing or anything like that. Well, yeah, I am because we are. But <laughs> the, the fact that they're always applauded as, oh, they've got, they're big on social media when they have like 10,000 Facebook likes, but they just say the things that the people who are making the creative decisions in these larger media corporations like they're considered much bigger than they actually are. Yeah. But I think that it's not even the thing of them saying the things they like. I think that that just comes as a result of them being in the bubble. It really is just the fact that they are related to somebody who can make those decisions. And and this is where it even ties back into almost a political context here because these people who who have so much control over what average Australians see are the ones who are the most condescending and patronising and look down on anyone who makes the slightest joke that offends them. And then they have the gall to say, you know, we're the oppressed ones because of this arbitrary identity that we were born with or whatever. And it's, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's really, it's infuriating. It is infuriating. And the most infuriating thing is if you ever see their stand-up shows, even their own audience is kind of nervous and shifting around because their own audience knows that they suck. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I, I, I never, I, um, I'll still work with a lot of these people and things like that, but I, I just wish some of them would realize how easy they've got it <laughs> compared to, no, really, compared to what, what the rest of us have had to do to, to, to build an audience from nothing. But I will say this, though, as just a general lesson in life. Hard work is rewarded. These people are not hard workers. They do not work on their craft, and as a result, they are not respected by it. It's not like they couldn't build an audience. They would just have to say more original things and actually be put out, you know, uh, in the wild so they had to kill what they eat, right? Uh, That's a good way to put it. The internet is the wild. It's the wild. And so... be resourceful. You have to be resourceful. You have to actually engage with what works and what doesn't work. You have to actually... Uh, achieve results Hmm. 
And I think as a result of just constantly achieving results and you just top that over five, 10 years of constantly doing that, you are going to be better off than these people anyway. I mean, the difference between the people that like started in that little bubble, I know because of the content that a lot of them do, they want to have or be in the same sphere as I am commenting on politics and stuff, but because they are in that bubble and it's just such a detestable narcissistic view of the world that no one else subscribes to, they can't gain traction and they never will because they just don't understand the everyman. Now, look, I'm not saying that I understand the everyman, but at least I'm free to speak my mind. So there's people that are like, you know, similar to that, that can like glean onto it. Right. They're at, the, they're at this massive disadvantage of the fact that they can't even say what they think. I think people respect someone who doesn't have a filter, even if they don't agree with what they say. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. someone might not agree with what you say, but they'll respect the fact that you, you know, no one has less of a filter than you do. So they would respect that. Yeah, and it's the same with Ray Hadley or something. I, I don't, yeah, it's the same thing over and over again. People just like it when they tell it like it is. Yeah. But, yeah, I think... Uh, so, yeah, if, if it were in the political sphere, mm. the reason that that came out was because we caused a fracture in the state government and so they needed to attack us with something uh, to try and discredit that and draw attention away from what we were drawing attention to, which was corruption. So that was the reason behind that. Now, obviously, the cultural thing comes into it because usually when somebody calls me up that's a journalist or whatever, you can hear them in the phone just being like, dude, massive fan, think you're awesome, whatever, that's great. She was, you know catty from the beginning really standoffish um you know it's a different culture that they're they're assuming to right and then you look at who where she grew up dude she's from land gentry wait who's this the journalist that did that hit piece yeah and then what is she doing she is defending and deflecting away from john barillaro who does john barillaro represent land gentry so it all just connects in on each other. It's all just a massive club. And obviously they have to rely on drops from them. So the fact that they just sit there and say that, no, we're extremely objective because uh, we, we aren't as inflammatory as the Telegraph. No, it's just a cleverer way of presenting the information, which is actually, sorry, what I was getting back to at the very beginning of this with the China yeah. stuff. People in China or people in third world dictatorships, they don't pay attention to the news. I mean, it obviously seeps in in other ways because it's the only message that you're receiving. But there is an awareness in China, at least. There is an awareness in Iraq and all of these other countries where or, you know, where there was a dictator. So the average person in China and Iraq would understand the media is a propaganda tool. Yeah, because it's just so over the top. It's and so obvious. it's a secondary tool to them because they just have the primary tool of if you get out of line, they can chuck you in prison without any notice, right? But in the West, that is the primary tool. The primary tool is to make you feel like you came to those conclusions yourself. And so there is the the propaganda around the news here is that it's extremely fair. It's extremely balanced. It covers all angles. It lets you decide. It's a scary concept because it's almost like being in a cult. You're not aware that you're being manipulated and being incepted. Yes, but Leonardo DiCaprio is in your mind, yeah. <laughs> planting ideas about how you should think. Yeah. And so you just happen to come to the conclusion that China is this evil entity that's just purely out for world domination and uh, power and is actually just inherently evil just by existing, right? Like that is one of the propaganda tools that is constantly put out. Um, there's a million of them. 
And that's why, and, and it was a major reason that we did that is we went on there and then we were just like, hey, fuck, we're not getting any traction for this. Um, okay, let's put it out on Twitter. We put it out on Twitter. Within like a couple of hours, the ABC was writing articles. Then you're on the six o'clock news, which just shows actually they're really lazy and shit at their jobs. You have to prod them in and just be like, hey, hey, hit me here. Come on, free target, go. And then they'll do it. Um, and the thing is that like the, the think tank that they were using, which is ASPE, Australian Strategic Policy Institute, which is funded by a bunch Aspie. of- Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Shit. Oh, <laughs> 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 it is Ooh. so ASPE. It's so ASPE. They, uh, they sit around and they think about how to make anti-Chinese, uh, you know, research papers it's the same as the ipa or something like that because again follow the money who funds them a bunch of weapons manufacturers and fun little fact as well child slave labor companies companies that use child slave labor and so it's either child slave labor or it's what are the companies, companies that, huh which companies use child oh, slave God. labor now i'm gonna have to go back and look at it it's something starting with h because this was all back when I was just reading this months ago. So they use so, the slave labor in other countries, right? They're not using yeah, it absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and uh, yeah, just a bunch of weapons manufacturing companies, which what is their product? Death, death and destruction. That is the product. And these are the companies that fund ASPE along with the Australian government. And you're telling me there's no crossover with that. So they, it is in their financial interest to sit there and inflate how much of a threat China is constantly so that mm. they have a justification for us to buy more weapons. Because what happens is then Scott Morrison comes out and goes, hey, we've just expanded the military budget times 10. Even though we're Australia and if China ever wanted to invade us, it'd just be like flicking an ant off a table. That's not going to do anything. Even if we spend like 100% of our GDP on it, we're yeah. not going to compete with that shit. Um, What's the, is that why we have to rely on America so much? Or could we, could we get in an alliance with other countries in our region, J Japan? India or something Well, that's like the that. whole thing is just Japan and India are part of that block that yeah. is coming up with uh, the US. So the, the traditional strategic theory is that just you have this union of nations that together can cancel out China, even though the US cancels out China in military expending and size of military yeah. by like 12 fold or be something. Be because there was some sort of conflict in one of, in some of those islands recently, yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't there? In the South Actually, China Sea. between Australia and China, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that happens all the time. And that is a result of poor strategic policy because it, we don't need to be in that fight. It's just stupid. And what is the argument that you get every time after that? But what happens in the future when they invade? What happens in the future if America invades? In fact, this is the whole thing. You are invaded by America. It's just a silent invasion. That's really what happens here. It's just like if, if a prime minister in Australia steps out of line with something that is not in America's interest, they'll, they'll run a coup. Yeah. They they ran a coup like 10 years ago. Yeah. That's yeah. just what happens here. So like it's it's just a formality. It's the same thing. It's just this what I'm trying to get at all the time and what really frustrates me. It's not so much that I like China and that I'm a, a huge fan of China. It's just like what Neil was saying. It's just like given the cards that they were dealt, they have done a phenomenal job in building in in lifting 500 million people out of poverty and actually doing something about climate change. That's all great. It's not so much that I'm a massive fan of China. It's just, it's more just the frustration 
of the fact that you don't hate China because you came to that conclusion. You hate China because there is a lot of vested, powerful interests that are constantly indoctrinating the population into hating China. It is just the new uh, red scare. It's just the new terrorist scare. It's just the new sexism, racism thing. It's just the, the propaganda model has shifted into making China the enemy. And there is a lot of reasons behind that. One of them being this think tank, Aspie, relying on fat government contracts being spent on overinflated and not up-to-date military equipment being bought by us. Essentially, what they're constantly arguing for is just like, China is attacking us. So you know what we should do? We should buy the garbage of the US and France that they don't want anymore for an inflated price. Mm. It's just a con job. It's just a, a really large-scale grift. Because you know the person who runs those weapons manufacturing companies is probably mates with someone in the government. So they get yeah. a fat little contract out of that. And what happens to the guy that is in the government? He goes on after government yeah, and becomes a, a lobbyist. Gets a nice $500,000 job at the company. Or, well, that's yes, what I, or yeah, becomes a exactly. lobbyist. That's what yeah, happened really to Chris Pine. He was the defense minister. What does he work for now? He works for one of these defense contractors. I think you start to realize uh, that the class distinction, even in a country like Australia, is pronounced enough that if you grow up in a more working or middle class environment and you're only privy to the people that you see in your environment, and let's say you're a bit more conscientious, hardworking than them, you then get the idea that, hey, look, uh, if you can work hard enough, you can make it out of these circumstances. We shouldn't have to have an incredible tax burden on the average citizen and we should be as free market as possible because why should we be held accountable for other people's failures, essentially? But you don't realise that you're so far removed from real power in the country. Yeah. You can't really be making those sorts of decisions. <laughs> well, you can't really be, be making those sorts of uh decisions for the greater population no 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 and it is all just an illusion to keep you going along in your life and uh it, it's it's very well crafted uh to maximize two things in life which is just like look this constant focus on individualism and stuff like that look again i hate all these namby pamby ideas it's part of the propaganda model but the reason that they're constantly focusing on the individual is because they just want people to be atomized and not to have this kind of common interest or realize that you know because if you're doing that, it's difficult. It's like Chomsky was saying this, and this just really reminds me, and I think this is why I've got like a massive boomer audience now. He said something in the 80s that scared the fuck out of me, which was just like, in the 80s, you would be sitting there watching Ronald Reagan just being like, we care about free enterprise. That's why we're putting in all these union-busting bills, so it's really difficult to join a union. It's practically illegal to join a union now. But you'd just be sitting at home on your couch, and you'd just be watching that television, and you'd be like fuck, I must be the only person on earth that thinks that that's fucked. But the reality of this situation is there's a huge portion of the population that is sitting there being like, that's insane, but they're atomized. But they still, he still won re-election, didn't he? He, won, he got two terms. Yeah, but again, part of the manufacturing consent thing, right? Like, it's just these, these are, these, these, <laughs> And also, Every election, you are just drawn to the conclusion yeah. that the powerful want you to have. So, for instance, okay. just with, like, Joe Biden winning. Well, you had the option of Bernie Sanders, but obviously the powerful interests wanted Bernie Sanders in, and they obviously want Trump out now. And very, very rarely there is an upset like Trump. But 
it's not as much of an upset or the myth of what he was just saying. It is still just two competing faction power of power bases just going at it at loggerheads and Trump's power base was slightly smaller and that's the upset. It's just this like very slight underdog one. Yeah, so um, I was going to ask something else but I've forgotten here, but the main point I wanted to make was I, th- I remember you saying on a few podcasts ago that in the 50s there was a much more of a a culture of of community and even in corporate environments they wanted to pay tax because they felt it was their duty yeah, for the yeah. good of the country yeah how do we get back to a point where western democracies feel that responsibility well it's always just the same thing it's just that constant cycle of like decline and growth decline and growth but the reason that 50s companies felt that is because there was a great depression and as a result of the Great Depression, everybody just because the Great Depression happened for basically the same reasons that it's happening now. It's just greed of banks and greed of corporations that just ate away at the fibers of society until it collapsed. So before that, there wasn't that culture then. So in the 20s, prior to the Great Depression, were people as passionate about their country and their community and giving back? Or no, no, no. That, that, in fact, it was called the Roaring Twenties. And the that, reason yeah. it was called the Roaring Twenties is because it was just a decade of excess. Mm. And so it's the same cycle that okay. happens over and over again. But I think it's just this thing of like, man, I would love if the world could just get these two ideas in their head and they're like kind of conflicting. We talk about it all the time. But like you have individual responsibilities and you have civic duties. You have both of those. Mm. They ask, they kind of mesh into each other. They kind of contradict with each other. You can sort those things out to yourself. But just this thing of constantly focusing on you and yourself and your sexuality and like just very <laughs> small things yep. about yourself, it's it's by design. There's a big component of that just being of, of the design. Again, what do we do? We pointed out the fact that there was a guy rorting I think at this point, hundreds of millions of dollars from the public purse. That's your money. That's my money. He was Mm. just giving it out to his friends. It's it's fucking disgraceful. And that's just one example of it, right? There's Mm. a billion, there's there's like a a huge political class that is just doing this to all of their friends. And that's where a lot of your tax money is going. We're trying to point that out. What do they point out? Friendly Geordies is a sexist. They're trying to narrow it into that stupid little individual context. And like on something that you you can't yeah. really be right or wrong on, just some stupid little gray moral gray area, dumb philosophy point. And wh- how can what would you rec- recommend for anyone listening to this podcast who might be working a nine to five job? How can they participate in those civic duties and be a responsible citizen of a country? Look, I mean, I don't know either. You know, I'd like to know what I can do better as well. There's just, there's a few things that you just need to know, which is that the only advancement in society has always been through organization. The, the main one is, and like everything else, there's pluses and minuses to it, but the benefits are so massive. The first one, if you're working a nine to five, you have to join your union. It's not just good for you. In fact, I think that the most recent research showed that People that are on union contracts earn $100 a week more than their counterparts. So the 10 bucks a week that you're paying off, you're still up 90 bucks. So it's like, you know, $1 for $9. Um, 
But the other thing is that it's unionizing your workforce. So the rest of your workforce gets better safety conditions, gets uh, you know better rights, uh, better pay, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but on top of that, they're all collected under the ACTU and the ACTU is just a big political body that is able to shape elections and campaign in elections for outcomes that benefit the working class. The reason that you want the working class represented is because, I'm sorry, like it, this is another propagandic tool thing of just like, you've got to make it out for yourself. You can go make it. Yes, that's true for a few enterprising people but the vast majority of people are always going to be part of the working class it's just it's, it's never going to be a society that is just filled with billionaires it doesn't exist those billionaires are there because of the people that are below them right so like you those people do need to be represented that's the first thing the second thing i think is that you have to um switch your bank and you switch your super account i think the other thing that i'm really into now uh, sign up to Ecosia, switch from Google to Ecosia. It's a, I can't get over this, dude. Mate, what's this? Ecosia is a site that for every 45 searches that you make, it plants a tree somewhere, usually in an ecological hotspot that has just been absolutely raped by you know development and um, logging and shit like that. So like Borneo and the Congo and stuff like that. Now Australia's okay. on the list, sadly. But for every... 45 clicks you make they plant a tree somewhere in the world and so like i've planted eight thousand trees this year just by jacking off <laughs> like okay. how could you how isn't that a better deal isn't that a better deal than your clicks going to google making some militant robot dog like it's 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 an amazing tool that's <laughs> your first civic duty it. it's just so easy do you to think do we can, do you think age. we can ever create a culture that puts such a pre that puts such a significance on moral responsibility that the people at the head of these corporations or who have power even in a small business are so well versed in the needs of their workers that it foregoes the the, the use of a union where the ceo just understands the plight of the worker enough that they uh, that they feel it's their duty to make sure that working conditions are safe not entirely not across the board but there is examples of that throughout history of and this is actually a thing that is outlined in jim collins book good to great he keeps outlining that the companies that just went from good to great as in those companies are just kind of legacy and they're there forever i don't know your coca-colas or something like that coca-cola might not be a good example um because i don't know what their working conditions are like but he was outlining there is examples of companies treating their employees so well that when union reps came in to organize them, the, the union reps were chased out of the factories or they were chased out of the offices um, because they were just getting such a good deal from the employers. And as a result of getting such a good... And they also felt that they were fair, as in like the employers, the, the CEOs were taking, you know... 40 times the salary of an average worker as opposed to 4,000 times or something like that. And um, as a result of that, which is what true leadership is, I really like Simon Sinek's point on it, which is that leaders eat last. You make sure that the people that are below you feel that they are looked after. And as a result of that, they will put more work into you. It is just a reciprocal thing. And as a result of that, you are getting more effort from these people that are working for you anyway. Mm -hmm. And so your company does better. And like, because you're listening to these employers and they're on the factory floor and they're saying, I think that we can increase efficiency by doing it this way. 
if you are in an environment where they feel that they are valued, they will say that to their employers. And as a result, you will make more money. Yeah. If you if they don't feel valued, first of all, they'll, they'll fucking hate their job so they won't even be looking for those things in the first place. But second, they're not going to tell their employers that shit. They resent their employers. Mm. How do we foster a culture where that is valued? That sort of a mentality. I think that a big thing about it is that just and it's what you are observing in the comedy groups, right? The elites are fucking lazy and it's because they've just generation after generation of being spoon fed. And so they just become sort of psychologically inbred. They become degenerates. They just become after hedonism. I was talking to my girlfriend who hangs out with these people. Their entire life revolves around traveling around the world and taking drugs. That's it. You, you can't be a great person if that's your life. There's, you, you are, by definition, what Jordan yeah. Peterson is always saying, if you're not working on yourself, you are a mildly bad person. And you just feel it when you go to these people. They've had no challenges in their life whatsoever. It's the same thing when, when okay. Chris and I were attacking that journalist. It was like, and I was saying before that, like, if you said that to a lad, the lad would answer that question way better than he did. It's just any sort of challenge at all, and they just shy away. But I think that that like elite ruling class. But is ev- first of all, just really quick, is everyone who's a mainstream journalist in Australia part of the elite ruling class? Surely there would have been some people who didn't go to private schools and just had a normal working class upbringing and then became a journalist. Maybe, but I haven't met them yet. It's rife. Really? It's okay. rife. Okay, that's every time you surprising. look into one of their. Uh, upbringings or you look into their background always one of those top eight elite private schools always uh somebody worked really? there that they knew yeah it's really not a coincidence is that these not, people work there what the eight half of journalism is like 80 or something mm. that's not that hard yeah it's not that hard so and they're still shit at it but the, the thing is they didn't even need to do the degree they just get it anyway you don't need a degree to be a journalist yeah they started instituting <laughs> that yeah <laughs> So, uh, I think that what happened in the 50s is after that, it was just maybe also because of government policy changes, but that's the huge thing as well. There was because FDR came in and he had the mandate because of the Great Depression to actually instill some sort of social change. And it's not like all billionaires were part of this class of people that were, you know, virtuous or whatever. But there was definitely more of an ethos there of, you know, what's good for General Motors is good for America was the slogan of the day. And there was definitely evidence for it. They were not the same companies that they are now. Yeah. And so I think it's just kind of like a... I need to believe in the narrative of a country again. Because right now people... There's a huge divide, the whole partisanship that's occurring. And and it's probably a tool of divide and conquer. It's a tool of divide and conquer. But the other thing is, and this is very interesting now that you've just ringed my mind about it. Kevin Rudd was talking about the fact that when he implemented a mining tax, which if that was explained to the Australian public, this is what I'm talking about when they say that, you know, Reagan won that election the reason Tony Abbott won that election is because no one explained to the Australian public why the mining tax was good, which is that those are your resources. You should be benefiting from your fucking resources, not some Scottish and Brazilian company. Um. Anyway, he was saying that 
when he got into the room with these mining execs, there's kind of just a big four, like there is in big four banks. Yeah. You know, your BHP, your Rio Tinto, uh, Mineralogy. They're all there. I can't remember what Twiggy's... I think Twiggy's is Mineralogy. I could be wrong. But Twiggy, who was Australian, he was just sitting there going, guys, it's just a profit on your... It's, it's, a, it's a tax on your profits. You, you have to be paying more than 13% in tax. The corporate tax rate is 30%. Let's bump it up to 40 50%, something like that. And Andrew Twiggy was the only one that thought... That sat there and he was just like, yeah, you know what? That's fair. The other three because one was in Brazil and one was in the US and I'm pretty sure the other one was in Scotland. They had no allegiance to Australia whatsoever. They didn't give a shit about our population. They were just like, no, fuck you, I want my check. And so they put out that $100 million scare campaign against the mining tax. So it's a different ball game now. That's another thing. In the 50s, companies weren't global. Mm, that's companies true. are more powerful than countries now. Yeah, I think there was some point, like I think there was some point in history where Bill Gates himself, not even his company, actually maybe it might have been his company from memory, but either he, either way, either him or Microsoft was worth more than Canada. That one company yeah. was worth more than the entire GDP, the entire collective efforts of thirty-five million people. Thirty-five million rich people. They're fucking powerful. So, I don't know. It's just one okay. of those, like, rabbit holes where you go down and it's actually pretty bleak. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing is, I think, yeah, it, it, like, you could just do these things on a global scale. So, then it starts with you, obviously, but things like, oh, there's an alternative to superannuation that invests in fossil fuels. Okay, well, I'll invest in that. Oh, there's an alternative to Google, which is a Google that plants trees. And the search engine, who'd have guessed, is slightly shitter than one whose search engine is funded by one of the most profitable companies on earth. It's not way shitter. It's just like 10% of the searches don't get exactly what I want, which then guess what you do? You type in Google and that ad, that counts to the search and then you get another tree anyway. You just have to do one extra step every now and then, but it's like so slight that you don't even notice. Ah. You know, like it's just these kinds of things, the, these small little things because... If you make Ecosia even comparable to Google, that's a really good thing for the planet. I think those things are important. I would also say, touching on a point I made earlier, which is that it's all well and good for us to stand on our high horse and criticize the people who do have the power, but we need to be very self-analytical to ensure that if we ever do achieve not even those levels of power, but any sort of power in your life, which you probably will as you get older, and we don't make the same mistakes yeah that other people have and i think people are kidding themselves if they think they're perfect yeah and you know what else as well i think that that's actually a real case about leadership i think that there has to be somebody that is smarter than everybody else that's true uh but i also think that like to think that you deserve to be making decisions for an entire country or even an entire state, mm. you have to have some kind of narcissism complex about yourself you, because I really don't think that anybody who is that just and moral would actually sit back and think, no, you know, like I'm clearly flawed or something like that. So there is an element to that. 
So if there is somebody that's in there for the right reasons and they've proven themselves, someone like Jody McKay, someone like Bernie Sanders, who has actually been in the situation where there's somebody saying, here's the money, no one will know about this, we're just going to, whatever that thing's called, I can't remember what the strategy is, palm tree it or whatever it's called, just put it out into all these little small accounts. It's untraceable. ICAC will never know about this here. And they say no. And then they go report that corruption. The ideal person in, in to wield power is someone who is chosen by their peers, not someone who stands up and says, I will be the person to make decisions for all of you. Yeah. So ideally, that's what a democracy should be. But to get to the position where you are one of the options for people to vote for, you do, in most cases, have to have some level of Machiavellian narcissism to say, I am good enough to control millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, though? It and actually, it, you do get a feel for it up close when you start interviewing these politicians and talking to them. Very, very quickly, you start deciphering the difference between them. It, you can't actually really hide these things that well. And truly good people, I think, are very humble. Mm. It makes sense. I think they're confident. And mm. then if the situation calls for it, they will put their hand up and lead. But they do it for the betterment of the people they are looking to lead, not mm. for themselves. And that's very obvious, actually, when you talk to these people because I think that's the main thing. You can't really hide what your brain is thinking about because that's what your brain's thinking about. That's your reality, so you're just going to speak that reality. Mm -hmm. When you listen to the phones and ICAC of Maguire talking to Berejiklian, Maguire never shuts the fuck up about money. Never, never. And as we said a million times, I, I truly think that you're an evil person if that's all you care about. And it's just proven to be correct again. Berejiklian, what is she always talking about? It's always just in this mad thing of like, I don't need to know about that. No, 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 I've got to go. I've got a meeting and stuff. She has school captain syndrome. She just wants the badge. She wants the status of it. I think that when you can gather that from either of those people, that you just see that kind of ambition thing of the just the, the thing working in the back of their head of the only reason that they are doing something is if they can maintain their position, bad person. And look, I've talked I've talked to other politicians as well, and like you you just know that. And it's it's very indicative in their character because some people, like with Kevin Rudd, for instance, if you say to him, um, hey, say this ballsy shit or whatever, he'll just sit there and be like, yeah, okay, fine. He doesn't really care about the consequences. And I've talked to other politicians and I've said, say this ballsy shit. I'm not going to mention who they are. And I'll just be like, oh, yeah, mate, like, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll, I'll, I'll find out. And they bring back and be like, no, nah, mate, no, nah, not, not at the moment. They're always wavering. Yeah. Those people are just there for their seat. So anyway, I think that those are the two things that you should be looking at in your life. If, if, if you're a good person, I think that you're, you're, you're more focused on, like what you were saying, you're more focused on what you can do for other people. That seems to be the bare mark of what a good person is. How you can work on yourself and not how other people can change to help you feel more comfortable. Yeah, constantly, constantly self-focused on how you can do better and how you can do better for other people. Whereas every other person that I've, the, the the two things that I think you really have to be on the lookout for is status and money. If someone is guided by status or money, bad person. Okay. I think that's a good point to end um, because I 
think at the start of the podcast, I said I was money hungry and Jordan's the one with integrity. <laughs> so <laughs> No, but again, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I should not be holding position because I actually did sit there when Gladys Berejiklian was just sitting there and be like, dude, wh- what did you want her to do in that position? Fuck, I really can't see another way out of this. It actually took yeah, Jody McKay to I'm just a- be sitting in parliament being like, dude, I was in that position. I said no. <laughs> I don't think I I would never sort of put my hand up to say I will lead people. Yeah. In a political context, maybe in a, you know, I can teach people comedy. I can lead like a small business, but <laughs> it's a different it's thing. Very isn't different. It? It's very different <laughs> to being in control of an eighty-five billion dollar budget and just being like, "Hey, make sure that all firemen and nurses are funded." Go. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an incredible responsibility. It is. Um, should never be taken lightly. And on that note. Let's conclude this one. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Thanks Subscribe listening. if you haven't already. Um, I'm doing a weekly show if you live in the Sydney, 7.30 Thursdays at the Pods Point Hotel. Go to neilcohacker.com slash tickets. We'll see you next time.